0: Hey, sexy babies. So check it out. So this episode is going to be about boy band impresario Lou Pearlman, who was a nefarious little motherfucker. Um, But this episode was such a doozy that we actually had to split it in half. So what you're going to get today is the first half of the episode, which is going to be about what a boy band is, where Lou Pearlman came from his shady beginnings and how he got into the, the industry and how he became a Florida man. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm recording this intro on my phone. I'm on the road. Mama and Papa have to get to work. So we're, we're out here like doing our, our other shit. <laughs> and um, I'm in Chicago right now. Kelsey Ann's going to be jet setting all over the Caribbean don't ask. We'll, we'll, let, we'll fill you in later. But for, for right now, what you need to know is this episode going to be posted today. And then the other half of the episode, which gets into Lou Pearlman's fraud and his massive embezzlement in financial crimes, um, will be posted on the Patreon on Thursday. And you should go sign up and listen to it uh, because it's super easy, super simple. That's patreon.com slash Pod patreon.com slash floridawomanpod and it is only three dollars to access all the content and only five dollars a month to access um all kinds of other stuff like we're going to be dropping merch soon and um just trust me you should go you should go check it out it's in your best interests okay i kiss you i love you enjoy this episode Hi, what's up? How you doing?
1: Welcome to the Florida Woman Podcast.
0: I'm Nathan Simpson.
1: And I'm Kelsey Ann Wacker.
0: I've been noticing guys at the gym lately. Mm -hmm. Not that way. Not the way that, Kelsey Ann's giving me a look right now. Not like that, no. I just mean like I've been collecting like personalities. Collecting like gym guys, you know what I mean? Tell me about one of them. Little action figures. Oh, I I got plenty of them. But my favorite one by far is there's this like, there's this dude, he rolls up every like halfway through every time I'm at the gym, he rolls up through the workout and he like, he comes in with this fucking just attitude. He's got like presence, but he's like, he's like an older black dude and he's always wearing sunglasses, no matter like, no matter what kind of day it is. And he's, it's indoors. There's like, it's not like it's it's not an outdoor gym. It's it fucking indoors. And he's wearing sunglasses every single time. And he's like 67 years old. And he's got gray hair. And he's I was fucking say, ripped.
1: Does he have gray dreads?
0: No, not gray dreads. Okay. Different guy. Different okay. guy. But he's constantly... He's always wearing sunglasses. And it's those like little tiny ones that look like Morpheus from The Matrix. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or like Tommy Wiseau sunglasses. No, 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 no.
0: Those are like wraparound, Like like, Bass Hunter sunglasses. Like, I'm talking about those little, like, 90s ones. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like, um... I feel like, like, new Jack Swing guys wore glasses like this. Um, but so he's constantly wearing sunglasses, he's fucking jacked, he's in his 60s, and every single exercise he does is on an inverted BOSU ball. You know what those look like? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, like, every single thing he does, whether it's, like, whether it's squats or, like... He, I literally saw him the other day. He was doing dumbbell curl. He was doing bicep curls on a BOSU ball. I
1: used to do that.
0: That does nothing.
1: Yes, it does. No, it does Yes, it doesn't it's all about anything. your balance and about the interstitial muscles.
0: That's what they say.
1: No, it's... Oh my God, no. It's so effective.
0: Doing bicep curls on a BOSU ball?
1: Yes, because you're it, now it's a full body activity. Because you're having to use your core to stabilize yourself. And you're already doing the, the bicep curls.
0: Okay, well, I should have fucking hired you as my personal <laughs> trainer then. There's another one. He's friends with another guy. I think this is the guy you were talking about. He again, older black dude, uh, gray dreadlocks. This guy's always listening to music while he's um, while he's working out.
1: Is this the guy that's like ah! like he like yep yep. Yeah. He screams he while he gun- lifts. Grunts and screams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like that. He I sounds know. like
1: and everyone turns around like Jesus yeah! Christ.
0: <laughs> well, you do. Yeah, it's I you're do. Racist.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why, yeah. and not because I'm the only girl who's <laughs> five three in a room full of screaming men who are sweaty and trying to pump.
0: You know, I'm just giving you. Sh- you know, yeah. I'm just giving you shit. No, I know. No, the guys, the room
1: is a little scary, though. I do have to say. Oh yeah, you're it's s- not a feminine space. Oh, absolutely <laughs> um-
0: not. Well, first of all, you're like a foot and a half shorter than everybody else there. Yeah, you're like. And everyone's like screaming and throwing shit. I was just it gonna say, you really like yeah.
1: the weights down.
0: Yeah. No guy, regard. That guy that I was talking about, mm-hmm. he also sings. Like he's listening to music while he's working out, but he sings. But like he doesn't sing the words. He goes like, "I'm, I'm a way on it," like that. Oh man! While he's, he's just- working out.
1: Yeah, he's vibing out.
0: He's vibing out. I mean, listen, no hate to either of these guys. They're both cool as fuck. Like to have the attitude to wear those Morpheus sunglasses and like be jiggling on a on a balance (laughs) ball while doing like tricep extensions. Like it, it makes zero sense to to somebody who has no swag. But like, (laughs) if your swag detector is turned on, then you see he that guy's like flashing. Like a fucking like a beacon, like he's like an enemy plane on a radar, like de-
1: de- 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 he's a hot grandpa, swag
0: detected. I don't know if he's a grandpa. Maybe he's never had kids, and Maybe. he's just like that's what he does in his that's life part of the like swag. get jacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the attitude.
1: Like a being a dad, kind of it makes your cool points go down just a oh, little yeah, bit. Oh yeah, his cool you've got like more are Responsibility. Yeah.
0: I mean, if I was his son, I would be so intimidated of him. <laughs> I would be so like, I would just be like. I'd probably be a school shooter because I'd just be so 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 self conscious. Yeah, because he's such a fucking Chad.
1: Yeah.
0: Him and him and his friend, and they're both ripped, fucking ripped. Um, there was another guy who was like, this guy, opposite inverse swag, no swag at all. Um, he's like, I mean, body positivity podcast, you know that about us, but he's like a he's like a chubby dude, and he came up to me while I was doing uh, front squats. And like was like trying to give me pointers, and I was like, "Dude, get the fuck out of here, go away." <laughs> he had spent the entire morning like doing exactly the shit that you were talking about. Like he was lifting weights, but he was doing like a quarter of the range of motion. Like he was like doing mm, quarter mm-hmm. reps and like doing so really fast and, heavier and really heavy and like be yeah. more
1: impressive. Yeah, yeah but he, he, but he wasn't like even doing idiot. it right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's throwing his weights everywhere, and they're like, boom, that. boom, oh, like hate bouncing so much!" All over. And immediately before he came over to me, and started giving me advice. He like. Took the bench that he was working on and he pulled the pin out and just slammed it down like clang. And it made this horrible noise. And it was like everybody was like looking around like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? And he comes up to me and he's like, "Uh, quick tip on your front squat. I pulled my earbud out and I'm like, excuse me? And he goes like, yeah, uh, just a quick tip on your front squat. And I just cut him off. I was like, no.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he was not expecting me to say no. I can't believe it. Again, inverse swag. Inverse Zero swag. social awareness.
1: Yeah. Zero.
0: Absolutely none. Like calling all this like un, like terrible attention on himself. Like he needed attention from everyone in the room, but he was doing like the worst things possible to get it. And so he didn't realize that everybody was looking at him for the the wrong reason. So he comes it's over to me and I fucking just like he I give him what he a was least expecting Firm and expected. gentle no. Firm and gentle. Yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and no means no. Nathan. Yeah.
1: We're talking about Lou Pearlman.
0: What? You we're just t- switch, in, switch into the topic? I thought this was a podcast where I talk about my life.
1: <laughs> it could be. Are you you want to switch get into?
0: Are you trying to get into all this research that you did and like all yeah. this hard work that you've done? Just trying to
1: get into the topic.
0: Ugh, so selfish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a guy who probably never worked out.
0: A guy who Luke had Perlman. a guy who's super self-conscious and needed attention.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. And s- you see the segue now. Oh, now definitely. you're seeing it.
0: I absolutely do.
1: Well, we're going to talk about him today and we're going to talk about the
0: 90s. The 90s. Do you remember
1: the 90s? I do. Well, it had Blockbuster. It had Frosted Tips.
0: What else did have?
1: Lisa Frank. That's a good one. Limited Too.
0: Yeah. All those girls bought those little plastic butterflies.
1: Oh, the plastic butterflies. Lizzie uh-huh. McGuire, uh-huh. Ring Pops, Chokers, Choker Necklaces, uh-huh. Fresh Prince.
0: Love the Fresh Prince.
1: Mm hmm. And boy bands, which was a musical phenomenon that took the <laughs> decade by storm. But not many people know the story behind the mastermind behind the craze. And that was a Florida man named Lou Pearlman. <gasps> And while while the the hair gel and the, the, oh, the, the, the denim vests oh, the of the boy vests. band creations like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. The Genco dis- jeans. Yes. Yes. We're distracting all of us. Lou was also the engineer of the longest running Ponzi scheme in US history.
0: No fucking shit. Yep. I knew. I fucking knew those Backstreet Boys were shady.
1: <laughs> all right. So, Lou Pearlman was born in Flushing, Queens in 1954. Oh. Exactly. Lou. He was an only child. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you a story. My
0: brother used to live in Flushing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a long
0: ways out, man.
1: It is a long ways out. That's
0: past cityfield. Field.
1: Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm.
0: the, the, the actual Chinatown is. The uh, Well, actually, no, that's not true. Cantonese Chinatown is in Manhattan. And Mandarin Chinatown is out in Flushing.
1: He was like the only, um, Wailo?
0: Wailo, yeah. Wailo. White ghost. Yes, in or the building, white devil. right? Does that mean white devil? I think so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he lives in a building with, <laughs> literally all of his neighbors were like middle-aged uh, doctors from China.
1: Remember um, when I took you to the White Bear?
0: Yeah, White Bear. Uh, it's like... Number fifty seven, White Bear, or something, <laughs> something like, like that. that. That's a great. Yeah, restaurant. if you're ever
1: in that area, if you're ever in Flushing, go to the go to the White Bear.
0: That kind of restaurant is near and dear to my heart. It's just it was just a total like hole in the wall, but they serve like very simple, very delicious fucking food. Yeah, you go there for like spicy pork noodles and like uh, spice like uh, pork dumplings and uh, there's some like, like soup standard stuff too, that I they think, s- right? yeah yeah yeah, Xiaolongbao, Bao. and they um. They serve those to the, they, you know, they they have a reputation. So people come in there from all over the city to get that stuff. But I, when I was in there, I tried to order, I saw on their menu, they serve like sea cucumber. And I was like, I have never had that shit before. I I have to try sea cucumber. And so like I, we get up there, we order the pork noodles and we order like the the dumplings, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I want like, uh, I think it's number 29. I was like, I want a number 29 too. And the guy was like, uh-uh, mm-mm. And I was like, "What? Huh? You, what do you mean?" And he was like, "No, you no, no, you don't get that."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Truly, this is this is real. I was standing right. And now, I was standing. like, "Are you
0: serious? Like, why? Like, is it? Do you not have it?" And he was like, "No, no, you don't get it. You you won't get it." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Okay, dude. Okay." He recommended
1: he, something else. He's like, "You you you get the forty five or something." Yeah, yeah. Like so yeah, exactly. Like, All right, bro. I was like, dude, uh, "I want."
0: I no, I made it really clear. I was like, I want sea cucumber. And he was like, no, you don't.
1: <laughs> I know,
0: I know. Uh, he also was like really obviously smoking right before we walked oh, into the totally restaurant. And he dude. just put it underneath the counter and like like set it there. But you could see like the little trail of smoke <laughs> coming <me>. in.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. That was awesome.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you a story that does take place in Flushing. Yes, um, the
0: origin story of Lou Pearlman.
1: That's right. This is a story that that Lou liked to tell. This is one of his favorite stories about himself. He would tell this to almost everyone he met. It, oh, awesome. It, it really is his his foray into entrepreneurship. So Lou Perlman, little little Lou, he had a, a paper route uh-huh. in 1969. Right. And he started this paper route with another another kid named David Levenstein. Okay. And it was for the... They delivered for the New York Post. And they delivered about 100 papers. Okay. That's and decent. they were making about $15 a week, which I did do a calculation on for inflation. And that would be around $113 today.
0: That's not bad. That's really for not bad. A little pimply little 15-year-old. Yeah, to just be know? riding
1: his bike, flinging papers. Yeah. I agree. So now um, they did that for about a year. And then his, his buddy David... He wanted to sell Lou his paper route.
0: Sell his paper route to Lou? Yes. Okay.
1: So he offered to sell it to Lou for $500. So David's thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm a kind of over the paper thing. Yeah, right. But it's a valuable route. Yeah. So I'm not just going to like quit and it's just going to go to someone else random. Yeah. Like I'm going to offer it to Lou and sell it to him and and I'll get five hundred dollars.
0: Dude, five hundred dollars is crazy. Though. If you're making fifteen dollars a week, there's only like there's only like fifty-two weeks in a year. So that's damn near that's damn near like three quarters of a year's worth of delivering papers, five hundred
1: dollars. This is the story. This wow. is the story.
0: All right.
1: So Lou felt like that was an offer that he could just not pass up. Okay. And he thought, okay, well, maybe I'll buy paper routes from other kids too. So he buys the root from David. He buys a few more roots from other neighborhood kids. After that, he has a whole lot of paper roots. Obviously, he can't do it all by his damn 14-year-old ass himself. Yeah, no shit. So he needs this whole army of little kids to work these roots, right? right? Right, So he hires them.
0: Little minions.
1: Then he creates, yes, this little child labor economy over, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. over which he looms as this overlord. Yeah. Um. He didn't stop at this. No, no, no. He wanted to revolutionize the paper route business. And what better way to upgrade Mm -hmm. than to make the customer experience really sparkle?
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So he's not only going to set up this little economy where he buys up all the roots, then hires the kids, sends them out, collects the money. He's just going, he's going to turn this business upside down. He's got big ideas. And he starts with customer satisfaction. Okay. So he starts finding out from all the neighbors that he delivers to how they like their paper delivered. Ooh. Do they want it underneath the doormat? Do they want it on the lawn so the dog can go get it every wow. morning? Do they want it all the way up the driveway? Do they want it at the, at the, the tip of the driveway where the um, recycling bin is? So Do they want can- it in the mailbox? You know. Yeah, right. So he finds out, he puts all of this on index cards, mm-hmm. gives it to the children who have these various people, and then asks them to, to tailor this paper service to exactly the way these people have requested to receive their paper.
0: Now that's quality.
1: Yeah, that's a business. So... He does this Mm -hmm. and he delivers on these promises.
0: Okay. And then
1: he's got an even bigger idea. This kid, this little kid from Uh Queens is like, you know, what if we partnered with Dunkin' Donuts?
0: Dunkin' Donuts?
1: So that the people that I deliver the papers to could also have their coffee and their donuts delivered at the same time.
0: Entrepreneurial genius.
1: Yes. And this story, he did, by the way, partner with Dunkin' Donuts. Did he really? And this story is how he always knew he was going to make it big.
0: Damn. And so that's his thing. He would tell this to everybody he met, everybody he did business with.
1: Yep. The thing is, this story's not true. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. None of this ever happened. <laughs> he never partnered with Duncan, even when it was dunkin donuts no shit he never revolutionized the paper delivery business he never hired a little army of children
0: he didn't he wasn't overseeing a little army of child slaves no
1: he wasn't Ah. and david levenstein never sold him his paper route
0: lou you fucking liar
1: so lou Pearlman, he he created all of the famous boy bands from the 90s all right. He uh-huh. created the Backstreet Boys. He created In Sync, O Town. I mean, it goes on and on. Okay. Uh huh. We're gonna get into that portion of okay. his life that occurs in the '90s in a little bit. But I just want to ask you a question. Knowing what y- the little bit that you know about Lou Pearlman, mm-hmm. what do you think his favorite thing in the world is?
0: So he created all the famous boy bands. And he pretended to have a uh, like a newspaper empire. So I'd say it's either journalism, music, or hot, slick teenage boys.
1: Wrong. Fuck. It's blimps.
0: Blimps?
1: He lived for blimps. <laughs> what? Blimps were his everything. Blimps
0: like zeppelins? Like big floating balloons? Yes. Like the Goodyear blimp? Yes. Okay. Passion. Okay.
1: So this was so much his passion that he wanted to do blimps for a living, obviously. But he wanted
0: to do blimps for a living. Right. Had he ever heard of the Hindenburg?
1: Probably. He was a lover of all, every, blimp, all blimps.
0: He was a blimp maniac. Yes. Fucking it. So he
1: befriended a German businessman and blimp expert. And... <laughs> He went on, (laughs) with this this gentleman, he went on to start his very first company. Okay. Right out of college. He went to Queens College. And this company was called Airship Enterprises Limited. What the fuck? The deal with this company was this, that he would lease blimps to various companies to advertise their brands. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was just one problem. Mm -hmm. He didn't own a blimp.
0: No, that seems like a major problem.
1: Right. So, but that didn't stop him from from signing contracts that leased blimps to companies for okay. advertising money. Okay,
0: so he started off committing fraud. Yes. Great.
1: One of these companies was a, a jeans brand in Manhattan called Jordache. Mm-hmm.
0: Jordache.
1: Now, hold on a second because I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. This is an advertisement for Jordache. <laughs> okay,
0: I see a I see an attractive blonde woman riding an attractive blonde man like a like a horse.
1: Yes, beautiful. It's like, it's like sexual topless, horse girl chic. Like their hair is always wet. It's like <sighs> there's one picture where her hair is like her long hair because it's like for horse girls is like spread over like a bunch of saddles and she's wearing these jeans and then there's another one where she's bent over like a fence and this is a teenage girl and there's a horse that's pulling like a bunch of dandelions out of her butt crack
0: (sighs) It's really bizarre. Okay, so we're coming to we're coming to a point here. You and I disagree on what a horse girl is. Uh like, yeah. This is not to me, this is not horse girl chic. These are all very attractive young women that like look like they live in like the you know, like on a on a cool ranch in you Wyoming. Like the Hamptons. Yeah, or, oh <laughs> Yeah, like, okay. Yeah, the Hamptons. That, that's a good point. Or like Jackson Hole. These are all very like you know, very like sexy, like like rich looking, polished, like Model girls, and so I think where we where we disagree on this is that you think horse girl means like an equestrian, like yeah, somebody like who actually little, rides like horses. a little rich
1: girl equestrian with like luscious long hair. They have to have long hair because they're obsessed with horses, and horses have long hair. And they like brush the horses, and they like they're just like
0: okay on the Venn diagram. That is one similarity. Yeah. But to me, a horse girl. Is like.
1: But they're still like quiet. They're like bookish, but they're like sexy. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely not. Okay. A horse girl is. She's an autistic girl who has a binder covered in stickers of horses, mm-hmm. and she never speaks. She's never mm-hmm. spoken in her entire life. You're right, she does have extremely long hair because she does imagine that she herself, I believe, is a horse. But and she's, she's like, like is
1: fundamentalist. A, is this where we're going? She's a yes. kind of a fundy, They can be
0: fundamentalists. Homeschooled. But autism is a absolute must. <laughs>
1: Okay, And yeah. they,
0: like, every book they read, like, they're always, like, nose into a book, and every book they read is about horses, and, like, mm. big, strong, powerful horses, and how they can, you know, they can overtake you and, like, kick sort you. Sort of like and, a like, proto-sexual, big, like, oh, yeah. they're
1: not allowed because of the, yes, the funny war, element. Yes. Yeah, and so they, they're, like, they, they're fetishizing horses all yeah, of a Yeah, they
0: live in your middle school and your high school because they are adolescent, and they are full of hormones and... Desperately need sex, but the only they have no outlet for it because either they are A autistic or B fundamentalist. Therefore sometimes both. Sometimes both. Therefore, the only outlet they have is just daydreaming about horses all day long.
1: The powerful muscles. They wear
0: t-shirts, you know, the like animal t-shirts. Mm-hmm. They have a million of those and they all have horses on them. They um have incredibly long hair, which they hide behind mm-hmm. like a curtain. That's what a horse girl okay.
1: is. Okay. All right, I'm hearing you now for the, I think for the first time.
0: For <laughs> first time yeah. I've opened your eyes. Yes,
1: you have. Okay, so um There's he, horse
0: girls and there's girls with horses. And these jeans are for girls with horses.
1: Totally understood. Hot girls with horses. Totally understood. That's it. Yeah. I
0: think that's what it is. Also okay. the logo is a horse. Yes, it is. Jordache.
1: Um so so They're on a blimp. Yes. So he takes money from Jordache um and he then buys a blimp. So he yeah. signs this contract for advertising on a blimp that he doesn't own. He takes the money from Jordash, mm-hmm. buys a blimp that he that they already <laughs> thought he owned. Genius. Um, And he buys a really, really shitty blimp. Right, of course. Because a he really has- old, shitty, falling apart, fucking patched together, <laughs> dirty looking blimp.
0: Well, he doesn't have luxury blimp money. <laughs>
1: So he pockets, obviously this blimp does not cost the amount of money. He bought that, a
0: beater blimp?
1: Yeah, he bought a beater blimp and he pocketed the rest.
0: He bought a hoopty blimp.
1: So when he puts Jordosh's, um Bloopty. label on it and, and they're about to take off and it's supposed to be this like ribbon cutting, this, you know, big fanfare. Yep. Yeah. Really awkward, really cringy because it becomes rapidly clear to everyone at Jordache that this is not going to be good for their business because this blimp looks like a piece of shit. (laughs) So they were livid. The blimp takes off. Okay. And it crashes. Oh, fuck me. Because it was so shitty.
0: Remember when I said Hindenburg? Yes. He should have done his research.
1: No, no. I think he did do his research because it's then suspected that that was Lou's plan all along. Fuck off. Yes. Yes. Because he was all set to collect three million dollars, which is what he insured the blimp for blimp insurance before takeoff.
0: This kid is right out of college, and already he's committing a jeans branding blimp insurance fraud scheme.
1: Yes. Wow. I know. What a genius! So
0: he's destined for Florida.
1: The writing is already on the wall. Exactly. So, Jordash sued, and they actually spent seven years in arbitration, which is crazy.
0: <laughs> that is and crazy. And Lou
1: ended up getting $2.5
0: Holy fucking of shit.
1: Of that $3 million from the insurance company, so even after all of that.
0: Even after going to court and being stuck in arbitration for seven yeah. years, he makes $2.5 because he only has to spend a half a million yeah. on court fees.
1: Yeah.
0: On legal fees. Yeah. Holy
1: shit. So, um... Then he starts chartering jets, private jets. Okay, okay. Through his company, which is still Airship Enterprises Limited. He started
0: off with an aircraft crash, mm-hmm. and now he's running a private jet
1: company. Yes, sir. Chartered this jets. This man cannot be stopped. Fascinating. He's destined for stardom. Mm-hmm. So he's he's using this money very clearly from yeah. his insurance scheme to for his customers John buy Benver- a private jet. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. He did happen to charter a plane to a very popular boy band at the time, New Kids on the Block.
0: Ah. They started
1: in 1984, and they were at their peak popularity, and he was thinking, I'm in the wrong business.
0: I need to get some sweaty teenage boys. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So in 1991, Lou makes that fateful move from Queen's to Orlando,
0: it's fate, baby.
1: Literally, same. Actually, I think my parents moved to Orlando in 1991. Ah. Anyway, from New York, Maybe okay. They knew each other. Um, <laughs> in order to start a boy band, he's like, you know, I'm in the wrong business. I have to get into the music. I have to get into the teens, and it Orlando's calling my name. It has to happen in Orlando. <laughs> Orlando will to. be the breeding ground for my next big success in it's the music mecha. industry. And by the way, Uh he also had this story that his cousin was Art Garfunkel.
0: Uh, Art Garfunkel of Simon and Garfunkel.
1: Yes, sir. Um, He used to say this all the way back in like middle school. He had no friends, as you can imagine. And he was an only child, so he was very lonely. And he was obsessed with blimps. I mean, things are not going well for him. Right. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um... And he told everyone that Art Garfunkel was his cousin and that he was going to be at his birthday party. So normally no one would go to his birthday party, but he got everyone to go to his birthday party. That's how you make an evil genius. Because, I know, because he told them that Art Garfunkel was probably going to be there because his cousin was invited. Wow. Obviously he never showed up. No one knows if this is true or not. It's uh-huh. probably untrue.
0: Oh shit! It's
1: probably just a thing he started to say to uh-huh. get kids to go to his birthday party. But he never dropped this story.
0: That's a weird one, though. Like, that's a weird, why wouldn't you say Paul Simon?
1: I don't know. You know,
0: if you were making it up. I don't know. Well, because maybe, maybe imagining, or maybe like pretending that Art garfunk is more believable. Believable, that way. maybe. Yeah. Or maybe you're, like... he was
1: already into Art's look the like the lanky <laughs> the, like, curly lanky, hair yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. high no, tenor angelic high yeah, tenor yeah. yeah totally anyway regardless so he's in orlando now uh-huh and he's going to strike it rich cuz he's going to create his very own boy band
0: okay. now
1: i'm going to tell you all the bands well, not all of them there are so many i'm going to run down a list of some of the groups that he did create the backstreet okay. boys wow in sync
0: those are, the, those are the two.
1: I know. And it goes on. O-Town. Okay. Um, Innocence, which was a girls group. I actually did listen to them. No and shit. Britney Spears was briefly in that girls group. What? Yes. LFO. Okay. US Five. Okay. Smiles and South Star. Okay,
0: we're starting to get into ones that did, I have no idea. Didn't know them. Yeah. Never heard of them.
1: Aaron Carter. Oh, God. C-Note, which was an all Latin boy band, Ooh. They, they were popular. I think they had like maybe a two-hit wonder and then, yeah, they kind of fizzled out. C-Note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. So, why Orlando, I guess. Yeah, why Orlando? Yeah. yeah. Well, Tourism wonder... Capital. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Tourism Capital of America. True. David Holmes, who was a former MTV VJ and is a, is a writer, he put it like this. So, it's odd that Orlando was the breeding ground, but it also sort of makes sense. There are a lot of theme parks. There's a lot of young entertainers. You go down there to be Aladdin or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like Hollywood, but you can afford it. Mm, That's smart. That was his take on it. Wow,
0: yeah. That's totally smart.
1: So, it had become this hub for young talent because of all the roles that were available at the various theme parks. You know, Mm -hmm. not just Disney, but Universal, SeaWorld, and... Orlando was also sort of every place and no place at the same time. I
0: noticed that while we while we were there, it's yeah. like a test city for the rest of America. Yes, yeah, it's
1: like a fake city. Yeah, and so I think it's like it has this every place appeal. Um, it's not it's not scary like like Hollywood. It's 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 not right, like. Right. Um, it's, it's more what what's the word approachable I guess yes. uh-huh. in a way and you know obviously it's not expensive like New York there's mm-hmm. not like a fight for real estate mm-hmm. um, and you can also like make yourself a big celebrity in a town like Orlando by doing very little do you know what I mean he's not going to Hollywood he's not competing with other big wigs in Hollywood mm-hmm. he's starting his own thing in Orlando where very quickly he be like you know he gets the key to the city he yeah, right, you right. know um, He's very known around town. He's like, a big fish in a looking, small pond. He's looking for that big fish in a small pond kind of yeah, vibe. So yeah. he chooses Orlando. And it's also one of the greatest places on earth for cons.
0: Fucking A. You know, it's really interesting. Orlando, to me, like, I always think about those, like, the restaurant testing that they yeah. do there. It, they Orlando's main drag is just, like, a bunch of prototypes of the restaurants that they're then going to put in every downtown in America. Yes. And it's kind of like all these boy bands that he's doing, it's the same fucking thing. They were on posters in every teenager's bedroom all over America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's But like you he test was...
1: him out in Orlando first.
0: Exactly. He was creating American culture where American culture is created.
1: It's also, it is the tourism aspect of it that makes it that sort of liminal space that makes it Mm, that sort of, mm -hmm. it's not as if you're testing out these restaurants or these, you know, these music groups on Orlando people necessarily. It's it's, not like the Orlando people are the arbiter of anything. It's because there are always so many people from so many different parts of the country and the world Uh that get to view these restaurants that get to view these bands and that will tell you whether it's going to work in the larger market exactly. of the U.S. because these right. people are from Nebraska they're from uh, Oregon they're from Rhode Island like they're from wherever wow. and wow. if they like it gathered all in one place then it's okay to spread it out you know what I mean? It's,
0: yeah it's amazing it's like Orlando is like a like a laboratory for homogenous U.S. culture
1: yes yes so so like I said, he wanted to cash in on these boys. Um, so he actually hired the new Kids on the Block manager, Johnny Wright, mm-hmm. right out from under them, um, to come work under his new brand that he's deciding to call Transcontinental Records, Inc. Okay. He puts $3 million of his own money into a talent search. Like, where did he get this money, though? Yeah, that's I what mean, I was thinking. Where it's did you get so confusing. $3 million? Um Apparently, though, his buddy, he had a friend, Jerome... Rosen, who was a stock trader, and he pumped and dumped the Airship Enterprises. Oh, stock. shut the fuck up! Yeah, so of maybe course he that's did. probably where it came from. Yeah. Um, and through this talent search, you guessed it, he found five slick, hairless teen Shiny boys,
0: little otters, yes, to be sexy little teenage boys,
1: the Backstreet Boys. Oh. So Nick Carter was sort of the the front man, even uh-huh. though. He was only 13. This is
0: fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He was from Tampa, he was 13. AJ McLean was uh-huh. from West Palm Beach, he was 14. Uh-huh. Howie Howie D is how I remember him. Mm-hmm. I do not know how to say his last name. Duro. No um DeRuss. he was from Orlando and he was 19. Then oh. Kevin Richardson. So they had so those three boys came from the initial talent search, the auditions. Okay. okay. Um then his lose limo driver had just been to Disney and had just seen a Disney show that included the character of Aladdin. Okay. And he was like, you need to see this kid that plays Aladdin. <laughs> oh, my he, God. His voice is amazing okay. and he's sexy or whatever he yeah, said. Yeah, they were probably saying that. Yeah. Um, so, he goes to Disney and sees Kevin Richardson perform. Mm-hmm. Kevin is from Lexington, Kentucky, and he's 20. Um. They hire him on the spot. So... Then they're looking for a 13
0: year old, a 14 year old, a 19 year old, and a 20 year old.
1: Yep. And they're looking for one other member. And Kevin recommends his cousin, um, (laughs) Brian Luttrell, who also lives in Lexington, Kentucky. And he is 17 and he auditions and he's a perfect fit. And then you have the five members of the Backstreet Boys. That is
0: fucking crazy. This was his first out the gate, the Backstreet Boys. This was his first venture into uh, groups of of slick little oiled up teenage boys. Yep.
1: Damn. So, Nathan, Uh we have to know. The Mm -hmm. listeners have to know. Who is the cutest member of the Backstreet Boys? We need to know (laughs) whose team you're on.
0: I don't know what any of them look like. But because of their ages, 13, 14, 19, (laughs) and 20, I'm saying Kevin Richardson, the 20-year-old, is the sexiest (laughs) one.
1: No, 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 no. I pulled up some photos for you. I'm not... (laughs) Yes, who's the cutest?
0: The (laughs) 20-year-old.
1: You're so weird okay um actually though you're Kelsey kind of right
0: my my fiance holds up a picture of 13 and 14 year old boys in like <laughs> he won't even one's play ball sexiest. he won't
1: even play the game so uh-uh. when I'm i was little the I'm, I'm, these guys are all older than me even the 13 year old i think they're all like in their 40s and 50s now
0: by the way if you're recruiting teenage boys to be in a a, a boy band you should be in jail
1: yeah i agree Just going on the record and yeah. saying that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I really loved Nick Carter. Oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, I bet was you did. I on the Nick Carter trip?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: obviously, I love my blonde boys, yeah, of my course. big blue eyes. Yeah. my luscious lips. Doesn't he
0: have a bunch of face
1: tattoos now? No, no, that's his brother Aaron Carter. Oh Aaron. No Nick Tragic. is a family man. He's got a <laughs> bunch of kids. He's married to a very beautiful, very normal lady named Lauren and he lives in Las Vegas.
0: He looks like a I'm looking at a picture of him now as an adult. As a as a teenager, he looked like like fucking Draco Malfoy, but like <laughs> now he, as an adult, he looks like a. Uh, I mean, he looks he looks a little gay, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he does. Well, just a little bit. It's his, no hate. Hey, it, no, never. it's his stylings. It's his so, hair. It's mostly his it's, hair. It's what he's the, doing with his he's hair. He's Still
0: on the like nineties two thousands like gelled up thing. I know. It's very manicured and like gelled up and sort of he a got like
1: really first generation queer eye
0: kind of way. You yes, know what I mean? it
1: is. Now his brother Aaron, who we'll hear from a little bit later in the episode. You know what,
0: you know what he looks like? He looks hmm. like a European soccer player.
1: Mm, He's got the same mm-hmm.
0: style as like a, like a, like, like a, a British. Like a Barclays Premier League. Definitely. Yeah, definitely.
1: So. Um, yeah. He, he sort of looks like, um, who's the chef? Gordon Ramsay? He sort of looks like a young Gordon Ramsay.
0: He looks like a gay David Beckham. That's what he looks oh, like. Oh,
1: yeah. So his brother Aaron has totally got down the like machine gun Kelly. like Ugh, uh, The
0: most embarrassing. I
1: know. Ugh. Like Island Boys. Ugh. Or like, um, what's that guy from SNL who's dating Kim Kardashian?
0: Oh, Pete Davidson? Pete Davidson.
1: Like he's like going for that. Whole thing, and his brother Ugh. just got really stuck in this in this particular era. But it's Dude, okay. Terrible. I loved Nick. Nick seems like he's doing really well. He seems very normal and like he's happy in his life. Yeah, so, good for him, man. Great. But as I look at it now as an adult, it is pretty fucking clear to me that Kevin is where it's at. Kevin? And I just I couldn't. I was a little immune to his charms. As I as told like a, you, as the like the a twenty eight year old, old. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, well, yeah the bone course. structure. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? The eyebrows just. Uh-huh. I mean, he's obviously the most classically handsome. He was sexy without a Aladdin.
0: That's why he got the job. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me see one more time. Anyway. No, you're totally right. Yeah, he's yeah, he's sexy. But like, yeah, come on. You were eight years old. You're attracted to people closer to your own age. It's, it would be weird for you as an eight-year-old to be attracted to the grown man.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even like see him. Like I just didn't even, he yeah. didn't even occur to me. But yeah, he's, exactly. He's it's like I said in cute. the last
0: episode, like... When I was 15, I was attracted to, like, all the, you know, all the, like, hot, like, young movie stars. Yeah. Um, But now I look back and I go, ew, what the fuck? What (laughs) uh." But that's because I'm an adult now. And when I was 15, I was into girls who looked like they were my age. Like, you were into Nick Carter. Who looked like a young, slick little (laughs) fucking...
1: (laughs) <laughs> the amount of times we've said slick. But it's true. It's like, they, true. They're, they're slick. Just shiny. Yeah. They're and sh- sh- they are. Shaved. They're shiny and slick know. and shaped. Yep. Okay. Um. Yeah, so- he
0: lived in ancient Athens. Let's just put it that way.
1: <laughs> All right. So Luke Roman wishes he lived in ancient Athens. Oh yeah. Okay. So again,
0: ought to be behind bars.
1: Cu- don't get ahead of yourself. All right. So very quickly, I do want to just touch on The boy band phenomenon at large. Yeah,
0: what was that?
1: Yeah, so I wrote down some things that uh, come across, that are sort of checkboxes for most boy bands.
0: What makes a boy band?
1: Five boys, sometimes three, never four. Interesting. Uh, But five seems to be that sort of magic number, Mm -hmm. that golden ratio. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're usually in their teens and 20s. Okay. They sing pop music, sort of... Club beats, like upbeat, danceable, trendy. Um, they usually dance as well as sing um, to like highly choreographed routines. Mm-hmm. Although One Direction is a notable exception to that rule. They did not dance. Was um, that the Jonas's? No, not the Jonas's. Right. But uh, Taylor Swift had her hands in both the Jonas's oh, and One I Direction. See. So I, I, see. I see where the confusion is, is coming from.
0: See, they, they were probably when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. I had just stopped Giving a shit about any of that. Like, I know. I it know. wasn't even on my radar anymore.
1: So usually they also sing love songs to teenage girls. They okay. wear trendy clothing. Yes, of course. They generally don't play instruments. Some do, um, but generally they don't.
0: Right. Right. Um,
1: they typically don't write their own music. Uh, of course not. More and more they're expected to as. As time goes on, uh, the bar just gets higher. So yeah. now they really are expected to at least write some of their music or mm-hmm. contribute lyrically. Mm-hmm. Um, they they also hang their hat on stereotypes. This is like one of the <laughs> defining factors. Yeah, of, you totally. know, there's the, the the baby of the group, like the bad boy of yeah. the group. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. The shy one, like the silly one. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's their archetypes. Because yeah. it's a performance. Yeah. It's a performance. Yeah.
1: yeah. And they need to have like these four distinct or not four excuse me it would never be four these three or five like distinct personalities yeah, these so distinct that, characters so that
0: each type of teenage girl has will fall in love with one, one of them exactly yeah can
1: latch themselves on to one definitely mm-hmm. um, so I also kind of noticed that boy the boy band craze has peaked about four times okay so,
0: what, are we thinking like like uh, Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons?
1: Actually, no. I didn't put them on the list. Ah, interesting. That's interesting because they are a boy band. Yeah. Weird. Okay. okay. So I kind of put it this way. Okay. The Beatles, I think, was the first boy band.
0: Totally.
1: Musically, they moved away from that. But when yeah. they first started, it they was They all played
0: instruments and wrote their own songs. They did. Yeah. So yeah. they broke the mold.
1: They did. Yeah. But it was... All about five distinct guys mm-hmm. who sang well, pop music, four. especially at first. I think the
0: Beach Boys were five. Oh,
1: the Beach Boys were five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they appealed to teenage girls. I mean, it was one of the first times where you had this.
0: Oh, yeah. Screaming were...
1: arena of girls tearing their clothes off, throwing things at I the mean, stage. It's unbelievable, right?
0: Like, On
1: the, the, the hysteria is unbelievable.
0: It's crazy.
1: But throughout time, There has always needed to be an outlet for for adolescent girls to stream. Teenage
0: girl mania. To
1: just let... Loose and just scream.
0: They, and it's always around like a group of boys that they've abstracted into like little projections of themselves mm-hmm. or like their own romantic fantasies. Is that, yeah. do you think yeah, that's there's what like it a is?
1: story element, like a story fantasy yeah, yeah. about like how they would love them? And you know, it's listening yeah, yeah. to the lyrics of the songs and like, uh-huh. you know, fantasizing in your bedroom that that's like about you, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's there's this little narrative that's being weaved. And that's I also it. think that it has something to do with the fact that. Um, for most of history, like girls didn't really participate in sports. Yeah. Um, just wasn't what was expected of them. So
0: they've got all this pent up energy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pent up
1: energy and like yeah. guys can like scream. Like it's also just the need for that primal scream. Oh, totally. Um, particularly at that age. when guys they're Guys so... can like
0: yell at each other and like wrestle, like teenage boys, yeah. like hit each other and wrestle and like run around and fight and yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was sort of like exercising that urge. That. Yeah,
1: they got to finally do that. Very interesting. Um so I would say the Beatles mm-hmm. and then uh you know so that was like 1960 1964 mm-hmm. the Jackson 5 and the Osmonds Totally yeah Now that borders uh-huh. on a little bit of what I would call a family band
0: F- Yeah definitely the Jackson 5 w- had elements of a family band so the uh, Hanson there's exactly a family band for you I yeah. put
1: it on the list as a boy band but right I it's also a family band and the Jonas Brothers is a family line. band yeah. too mm-hmm. um, but it was like these five guys and they appealed to um, they appealed to teenage girls and mm-hmm. it was choreographed and they dance yeah, totally. and they harmonized yep. like that's also a big part yep. of boy yep. bands yep. um so then I think it had another wave in the '90s and early 2000s. That's yes. the wave that we're talking about today. 100%. Started by New Kids on the Block, which I didn't give a lot of credit before doing research on this episode. I didn't. I was not born yet, so mm-hmm. I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Um, new Kids on the Block, and mm-hmm. then definitely the Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. They just they came out and they cemented this new wave, this new era of oh, yeah. the boy band. Wu-Tang Fo- Clan. Yeah, follow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, you have to cut that. That's <laughs> no, fucking no. ridiculous. No, this is
0: funny. That's funny as hell.
1: No, but um the only one that I could find that was black besides the Jackson 5 was Boys to Men.
0: Oh, Boys to Men for sure. For um, sure. I think that
1: qualifies. Yeah, yeah. But that's you do bring up a thing that I did see. Um what? So in in Sync especially and and O Town. O Town, I think, had two black dudes. Mm-hmm. In Sync had like I think one of them's Middle Eastern. Two of them, I think, are like Latino. I don't know. But mm-hmm. there was this whitewashing. Like there was oh, this sure, like, sure. they all like ubiquitously were just styled and yeah. presented as just white guys. Like yeah, that was totally. part of the the whole picture back then, yeah. you know?
0: Because uh-huh. um, like, you know, they were formulated in Orlando mm-hmm. to be... Marketed to packaged and sold to white bread like middle America, like suburban teenage girls. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was totally joking when I said Wu Tang. But now that I come to think of it, like they had like they had this idea like they were each gonna have like their personality. Yeah, and, like, I remember play that. A role.
1: I listened to like um, a I don't know, yeah, like, I watched I a documentary about them or something. Method
0: Man was supposed to be like the sexy one. Like, <laughs> you, know, read, you know, it kind of it kind of fits. Like, it's definitely not the genre, but like the idea of mm-hmm. like, we're a collective, we all like contribute to this, we have like sort of a choreography yep. to our thing. The clothing. And, like, we all have personalities. Yeah, we have a style, we have a mm-hmm. brand, we have clothing. Yeah, it's and it's all unified into this one thing.
1: And they were young.
0: They were all young. They were all young boys, literally.
1: Yeah. yeah, like teens and 20s, right? Yeah.
0: The only thing is they, um, you know, they obviously... obviously wrote being all their rappers, own stuff. Yeah, yeah, they had to write all their own stuff, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, then, yeah. So 98 Degrees was part of that. O-Town, LFO, Hanson, like we mentioned, the Jonas yeah. Brothers. Um, then it calmed down, kind of went out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Then in the 2010s, we had... Sort of another British invasion. We had One Direction, Mm -hmm. we had The Wanted, and we also had the rise of K-pop, BTS. All of Ah, that that was that came about in the 2010s. America was a little slow to catch on to the popularity. Yeah,
0: because K-pop and like J-pop had been happening for decades. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Like their explosion in America.
1: Yeah, their international sort of status Mm. came about at that time. Um, So the top. We keep
0: talking about BTS. I know. Fascinating.
1: Um, so the top grossing boy bands of all time are number one the Backstreet Boys, number two mm-hmm. the Osmonds. Wow! So the Jackson Five and the Osmonds had a similar thing going on as Backstreet and In Sync, where you felt pressure to pick one. You were oh, either you were a Jackson same, Five or person the or you with were Osmonds. Exactly. Like,
0: same thing. Huh. like I'm surprised that the Osmonds beat out the Jackson Five because I can't even think of an Osmonds. I don't song. know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Donny, Donny Osmond, is co- that a person? Yes. Yeah,
1: but that's if, the only one I know.
0: I think he was the only one to have a career after the mm. Osmonds. But I think that if you played an Osmond song and said, this is an Osmond song, I might be able to go, oh, okay, yeah. I don't I've know if I before.
1: would, but I know like most of the Jackson 5 songs.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. My mom was a Jackson 5 girl. Us, yeah, I guess that puts us on Jackson 5. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Team Jackson.
1: Yeah, my mom talks about that, being like, oh, the Osmonds, like, she having really this, does. like, I'm the Jackson 5 kind of girl. She still
0: has that identity?
1: Yeah, she I was just, that. you know, re- reminiscing. She's a Jackson 5 girl. She dated a lot of black guys after that, so <laughs> I, it, it was starting early. Um, so number three is the Jackson 5. Uh-huh. Number four, new, new Kids on the Block.
0: She was into Tito. <laughs> or Jermaine. <laughs> yeah. Jermaine.
1: I think Jermaine, actually. She, she had a crush on that. Jermaine? Yes. That rocks. Um, number five, the Bay City Rollers. They were a British band. The Bay Never City fucking heard of them. Uh-huh. Number six, One Direction. Number seven is InSync. I was a little wow, surprised by that. I'm surprised um, and too. number eight's Boys to Men. Wow. So we're gonna go back to Backstreet for a little bit. When they, when <laughs> thank they, thank you for making that joke. <laughs> you're welcome. When they first sang together at Lou's house in Orlando, and all their families were there, and all the people were there, everyone in the room's jaw just dropped. To they the just floor. knew they had.
0: I mean, I was. Just, that's what I was saying too, right out the gate. Like you, and you didn't even have to like test out a bunch of members. Like no, it was you got, so obvious. Those five immediately, immediately, boom! You got it. You're making bank.
1: Man. Their voices blended. They harmonized well. They mm-hmm. clicked. They got along. They looked good together. <laughs> Which they is just amazing. Fit.
0: Because one of them was 13, thirteen, and one of them was twenty. What I the know. fuck are these guys
1: have talking about? I know. Yeah. So, everyone just knew instantly this was going to be big. Yeah. So. This is from a quote from Lou himself. Quote, I think I'm a great cultivator and these guys are my family. I put the money out to help them where they don't have to worry about their jobs. They don't have to worry about school. We provide tutors. We give them choreographers. We give them vocal lessons. They
0: don't have to worry about school. They don't have to worry about job. They can just be dancing monkeys for me. For me.
1: And yeah. my fucking book. seven. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So he did just that. He created a boot camp.
0: He got the army of children that he always wanted.
1: Yes, finally. He was always yep. dreaming about this army of boys.
0: <laughs>
1: so he created this style of preparation that actually K-pop still uses today, which is basically a, a boy band boot camp.
0: Wow. You were talking about K-pop boot camp.
1: I was, yeah, mm-hmm. it's brutal. And these boys experienced the same thing. They'd rehearse eight hours a day in a garage in Central Florida with no AC. The fuck, dude? And they would have lessons on top of that, like voice lessons, dance lessons, tutoring, if that was actually happening. Like, I just have doubts that that was actually happening. Yeah,
0: me too. Um, and okay, motherfucker, like, you had three milli from your pump and dump scheme. I know you've got enough money, money to, to rent a rehearsal studio. Yeah, or yeah. at least get an AC unit, you I monster.
1: I know, I know. a monster. So that's just a crazy work schedule for teenagers. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a crazy work schedule he for was anybody. big on yeah. them like working out too on top of all this yes yeah, so he could, yeah they yeah. could be sexy exactly. young boys yeah so but these kids really they really wanted to be successful they of loved what they, they did, did. Yeah. they were artists they were performers at heart they mm-hmm. loved what they did and they really wanted to make it mm-hmm. um and oh my god do we just hear this story over and over and over like it's every story, I feel like, that comes out of Hollywood or the music industry. It's just like taking the drive of a young person or someone that's otherwise naive and just using it against them.
0: Yeah. They're, okay. This is the core of when people say... When people have conspiracy theories about people in Hollywood being vampires... Adrenochrome or like, yeah, addicts. Sucking adrenochrome out mm-hmm. of young people or like being lizards or whatever. The core... The truth at the core of that idea is this... Lou Pearlman is literally stealing these young boys' life force in order to make money off of them. Stealing them from their
1: family. Stealing them from their childhoods.
0: Vampires are real, but they don't suck blood. They just crush young people. Like these Hollywood vampires, they crush these young performers and they suck their life and time and joy and freedom away in order to make money off of them. That's what it is.
1: Completely agree.
0: And the Adrenochrome, every once in a while. You,
1: know, you have to get a hit every at once a party. In a while. You, know, yeah. you know,
0: at a party you let loose when it a presents bit. itself. Yeah, you
1: know, you know. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I just think like when you when you dedicate your life to something and when you love something that much, when you have this passion that early in mm-hmm. your life, like, and you you,
0: do you anything, will jump through any hoop. Anything you yeah.
1: will do whatever is yeah. asked of you. We've been
0: there. We've been in there.
1: I relate one hundred percent. You will endure anything, and they know that.
0: Of course, they do.
1: They can spot those ones that love it that much yeah. that they will do anything. Yep. And they pick those people. And then when you run and then out they of exploit juice, them. <laughs> you're disposable and Just they get the next away. one. Yep. Yeah. Um, so another thing about this particular group of boys, the Backstreet Boys, was that most of these guys were without dads. Oh, of course they were. And Lou Pearlman was intent on being their father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin especially. So... The twenty-year-old had just lost a father that he was very, very close to from cancer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he lost him to cancer, and it happened really rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it was very—it was like it happened like six months before he was terrible. in the Backstreet Boys. That's terrible. So he particularly really looked up to Lou as a father and mm-hmm. sort of attached himself to him. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the boys kind of followed suit. You know, he's yeah, the oldest yeah. one. He's sort of—he's enamored with Lou so So, they're all going to be Um, and and Lou really was the head of the family Um, he'd wine and dine them with these lavish meals he'd fly them to Peter Luger to have meals like he'd you know he'd sit at the head of the table and he'd really just make these boys feel taken care of he'd tell them everything they'd tell him everything Mm -hmm. anything they needed you know emotionally financially He he let them treat his house, which a lot of people described as like being a Disney World, um, as their own. Like he had this crazy pool with these fountains. He had these wave runners. He had boats, and you know he'd like sometimes buy them watches for their birthdays. Mm -hmm. And he just you know he had these big screens. He had a movie theater. He gave them
0: this type of lifestyle Uh that
1: they were not used to. Not only did they have. sort of avoid insofar as having fathers, yeah. most of them, I think all of them. Yeah. Um, but they, they also did not come from that background. Mm-hmm. They w- did not grow up with money. So right, this right. was very different from them. Obviously, their parents were probably pretty happy about it too. Everyone of was course, relieved to course. be in this situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was probably the first time in a lot of these kids' lives where their needs were being met. Yeah, and they attributed a lot of that to Lou, and he of put himself in that position on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashley
0: Bengali yes, mm-hmm.
1: Ashley Parker Angel, who I mean that name, I loved him too. He was like the front man of O Town.
0: Uh-huh. He was
1: like again, he was the blonde boy front man. Like that was my <laughs> That's type. Your type huh? Um, he says, "quote It was like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. You know what I mean? It was just like this awesome thing to be a part of." So a lot of these boys, like I said, they were from broken or dysfunctional homes. And Mm -hmm. Lou didn't really have a lot of a lot of family either. I mentioned he was an only child. He didn't have any friends. Right, Um, right.
0: So this is all just like fucked up Hollywood pathology playing out in generations.
1: Yep. Yeah. In any case, these fucking childs like worked their asses off. They performed every chance they got. They sang a cappella on every radio station. Just the traveling, the grueling hours—it was yeah. nonstop. And Lou was really promising them the world, like yeah, millions of dollars, telling their moms they could quit their jobs yeah. as teachers or fucking dental assistants of course, or whatever. Of
0: course, and in yeah. reality, he's just this sweaty blimp guy from Flushing. He
1: looks like a blimp. <laughs> oh, no, he does. Sorry. Oy. Um. He, yeah, and you know, showing off his lifestyle to them mm-hmm. was also like, this is what you will have by being in this. Right, of course. You will have this someday. The yeah, private yeah. planes and the mansion. Yeah. Um, And it all started to come true. They started selling out arenas. They were on the covers of magazines. They were on TV. Yeah, dude.
0: It's they, the fucking Backstreet
1: Boys. Yeah, dude. It's the Backstreet Boys. They had hordes of screaming fans. Like, these guys were on the fast track to fame. Yeah. And all their hard work was going to pay off, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it was at exactly that moment that Lou decided to create another boy band. Uh-huh. So, Backstreet was formed in 1993, mm-hmm. and things were just hitting their first wave, their first peak of success, and Lou formed NSYNC in 1995.
0: You know, we are making fun of this guy, but Backstreet and NSYNC right one after the other. Is, do, is he actually a genius? When it I comes know to it's stuff, weird. It's is he a band managing genius?
1: I mean, it's two of the most successful like American yeah. bands ever.
0: He's two for two. Those are he's two for two. Way out of the park.
1: Yeah. Um. But understandably, Backstreet saw that as a huge slap in the face. Right,
0: because they're no longer the the only the only people getting the treatment.
1: Well, like. He created them and then two years later, he created their biggest competitor.
0: Right, of course.
1: And Lou, you know, his philosophy on it was like, well, someone is going to create a rival group. Why shouldn't, shouldn't it be me? Mean? Of course, of
0: course.
1: Why not? And me?
0: all the money's going to the record label. Yes. It's not like yeah. I was gonna. I was going like, why are they mad? Like it's all going to the same pool, but the the pool is, is loose. It's him. not. They're not getting a cut of the the profits from the record company. They're only getting what they sell and like ticket sales.
1: Yeah. Ooh. So um, Pearlman used like the same methods basically to yeah, develop instinct. Fuck you, man! What uh, the hell? He created their yeah their their rival. Yeah. Um. So in sync was Justin Timberlake, Chris Kirkpatrick, uh-huh. J. C. Chavez, Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. I don't know. Chaz. I'm looking at the
0: spelling. I have zero idea if it's French. it Would be chasse, <laughs> but I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Joey
1: Fatone, <laughs>
0: Joey Fatone, and
1: Lance Bass. Mm-hmm. Um. So Lou was introduced to Chris. Kirkpatrick, uh, by a mutual acquaintance. It's
0: not fair, but I always thought it was funny that Fatone, you could li- you could literally read that as Joey Fat One.
1: <laughs> I never saw that. I
0: always thought that.
1: <laughs> Joey Fat One. Joey Fat One. Goddamn. And
0: it was kind of true. I know. I know. I'm well, sorry. Joey. Okay,
1: well, Insync in general weren't the lookers that, that Backstreet was.
0: You know, like Justin Timberlake's macaroni hair?
1: <laughs> I mean... Justin was the one that I had a crush on, but none of them are <laughs> the best. boys. You want to slurp boys. egg
0: noodles off of Justin Timberlake's head? <laughs> no. no,
1: no, no, no. Um, Speak
0: for yourself. So,
1: so Chris Kirkpatrick, he he met Lou met him as a teen. He was uh-huh. immediately impressed by him, <laughs> nice. by his talent, nice. and he promised that he mm, would find. I love
0: this teen. Yeah.
1: He said, Chris, if you can create a band like Backstreet, I'll finance it. You find the other young males and I'll pay everything. So- Bring me boys. <laughs> so Chris um, jumped on the opportunity. He made some calls. He eventually got Justin Timberlake involved, who was already sort of famous from being Mickey on the- Mickey
0: Mouse Club. Exactly. Right. With Britney Spears.
1: Yes, with Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. So the Mickey Mouse Club had just ended. Um, he was interested in doing it. He obviously knew of the success of the Backstreet Boys. He was like, yeah, I want to be in a boy band. Yeah. Um, so he was interested. He got JC involved because JC was also in the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh-huh. And they were buddies. And they were actually home in Maryland and Memphis, respectively, after having lived in Nashville together. And they were, they were writing some demos mm-hmm. for one another. So they got jc on board the three of them moved to orlando and they embarked on a search for a baritone um chris met joey fatone while he was working at universal they were Mm -hmm. both working at universal studios um joey was playing wolfie in beetlejuice's rock and roll graveyard review awesome yeah cool um joey was from bensonhurst Mm -hmm. brooklyn and his family moved to Orlando when he was 13. Bensonhurst. I know. God damn. Um, well, with a name like Joey Fatone.
0: Joey Fatone. Um, so
1: then You're they found this wrong. other guy. They needed a bass. And they found this other guy, Jason Galasso, through auditioning. They just started auditioning people. So, So they find this guy, Jason Galasso. Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, you know what? The musical taste of this group kind of sucks. I don't like this type of music. I don't want to be a teen idol. It's all feeling kind of lame to me and Mm -hmm. I'm just going to drop out. Mm -hmm. So he fucking dropped out. Yeah. They're like, damn, we need a bass still. So they auditioned a bunch of people. They didn't find anybody. Timberlake eventually called his vocal coach who was coaching someone else at the time who was a 16 year old in Mississippi named Lance Bass. Lance
0: Bass. They flew
1: him to Orlando to audition. He was immediately accepted into the group.
0: Nice. That
1: became in sync. So obviously Backstreet was not too happy when Insync was created. Mm-hmm. And Lou really stoked the flames. He really pit them against each other. He would complain to Backstreet about Insync and how Insync was just like an untalented group of little fuck-ups and they never did what he said. And he wished that they were like basically like good boys like Backstreet and like Backstreet was his favorite and his number one and... You know, he'd tell NSYNC that like Backstreet was losing their touch and they were jealous of like Dude, the newer, cooler NSYNC and Backstreet hated them. Yeah. So he created what an this asshole. tension. Yeah. I know. And he created a feud between these two groups that really, truly existed. Yeah, I believe for it. the entire decade, I believe it. There's so many interviews where it
0: was just like you were saying with Jackson Five versus the Osmonds. Yeah. Like you, all the girls at my, I think it was an elementary school when this was peaking. But yeah, like yeah, they all picked a side.
1: That was part of it. Uh-huh. So the feud then like trickled down to yeah. the fans, yeah. and the fans felt like they had to pick. I never mm-hmm. picked. I don't know why. I was fans of both. I I didn't feel that kind of pressure, but um yeah, so. Insync didn't really feel like they were lose priority because Backstreet was more successful and they were be- doing better on the charts and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: then Backstreet turns down one gig. Okay. One gig. They were so burnt out. They were scheduled to sing on this Disney show. They never did this. They were like, dude, we're not going. We we're can't do are fucking tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they backed out. And Insync backed in. And that's when Insync popped off off from that one appearance they blew up which must have been so upsetting for backstreet because it's like the one day we take off like literally the one day
0: yeah exactly you provided the space for nsync to fucking blow up
1: yeah that was lou's plan all along to create the competition to make each group work harder to earn that top spot
0: of course
1: yeah so nathan yeah where's the fraud this is all seeming like it's going pretty well yeah right? that's
0: what i was saying it seems like lou is like lou is just a genius band manager and has created two incredibly successful acts right tell me where the fraud is babe and that's the app. we're gonna we're gonna get into the fraud i promise you it's gonna be super cool and criminal and it's so it's so nasty what this motherfucker did to these poor kids, ugh, ugh. But um, that is going to be another episode for another day. That's dropping on Thursday. It's going to be on the Patreon. I'm telling you guys, it really is uh, it really is a deal. It's three dollars a month to get all the apps, and um, we're going to hook you up with uh, the cool info, the cool secret stuff that the commoners don't get to listen to. Do you understand? That's premium content. <laughs> I'm just kidding I love all of my listeners equally I'm a I'm a kind and benevolent uh, Parent My parenting style is Is I, I'm, I'm losing myself here <laughs> okay, okay I'm gonna pull this back onto the rails Okay So check out If you want to see the rest of the episode want to hear the rest of the episode Check it out It's gonna be on Thursday on Patreon That's patreon.com slash floridawomanpod Patreon.com slash Florida Pod. It's only three bucks, babes, and let me tell you, it's worth it. All right, we love you. Later. Oh, and Minnesota on Friday.